I was in a position where I couldn't object to things and, and, and even more so in DOS. So when I had those instincts, I oftentimes just suppressed them or, you know, used their rationale against myself to, you know, make sense of an uncomfortable feeling. Hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Please podcast. Today, we have India Oxenberg with us. If you haven't watched her documentaries or listened to her audiobook, highly, highly suggest them. Her story is compelling, intense, resilient, and relatable. Not relatable in the sense that we've all been through exactly what she's gone through, but relatable in the sense that we're all human and vulnerable and we could be manipulated in some way or another. India was involved in a cult called Nixium. Um, It was an organization that promoted and facilitated personal growth courses about life, career, relationship, you name it. The organization cultivated really strong communities, helped people overcome their personal challenges, but the good things were also layered in with deceit, manipulation, including branding of their followers and members of Nixium, all under the reign of Keith Raniere, the founder of Nixium, who was sentenced to 120 years in prison in October of 2020. So there's a few things I want to touch on before we get into this episode. One of them is to set your expectations about this interview. I didn't want to ask redundant questions. India's story is documented in great detail and gives you the whole picture in the documentary she's been a part of. Um, If you haven't watched, check out Seduced on Stars or The Vow on HBO. And she also has her book on Audible exclusively. It's called Still Learning. I actually feel a little bit selfish in this interview because I ended up talking a lot about myself (laughs) and I find myself wondering if I wasted the interview and missed out on value I could bring to you with a guest like India. Just being honest about my insecurities there because I definitely, it's a different type of interview than maybe what you're expecting. Um, The second thing I want to mention is the fact that I didn't name the organization that I'm talking about in this episode. I didn't name them, and I have chosen not to right now. I've thought a lot about that, and I've asked many mentors and friends their opinions on if I should name the studio I'm referencing. Some said, yes, absolutely, we've got your back. Others said, be careful, and here's what can happen. One of the other insecurities is that I'm blowing everything way out of proportion and really getting you primed up for a juicy story only for you to be let down because it's not as extreme. Again, just being honest about my thought process and insecurities because I'm obviously still processing this and it still feels fresh. It's not like, oh, I'm totally on the other side and I'm sharing with you from, you know, a different headspace. A lot of this is still fresh for me. Um, And that's what happens to your brain after manipulation situations. You question yourself and if if it really happened the way that you thought it did, and if it's even worth saying if I don't name them, like just a lot of a lot of things, a lot of thoughts floating around. But I've chosen not to name this organization and the leader of the organization that I believe is extremely manipulative, narcissistic, and dangerous because he is that. He's manipulative, narcissistic, and dangerous. And I believe that I could be at risk and be accused of slander or defamation, worst case, some type of lawsuit that I can't afford. This person is predatory. The organization that I'm talking about is a yoga studio that I went to yoga teacher training in 2019 into 2020, that winter. It's something I'm still processing, obviously, to be honest, and you can probably tell with the choppiness of my voice in this interview. A lot of pauses. I don't talk very fluently when I'm thinking through something. Even my intros, I usually type them out first so I can kind of go with the flow after that. So I'm a little choppy on this one. I still have a difficult time engaging in yoga because of this story. Yoga was something that I turned to to heal from other traumas that I'm still not comfortable talking about. So to have that healthy coping mechanism that really helped me get out of a dark place to heal and connect with myself to be, you know, tainted with manipulation and power, the very thing I was using yoga to heal from is really challenging for me and it's really painful still. 
I can feel the pain in my stomach talking about it. And people want to tell you, don't give them that power. Don't let them take that away from you. And it's a lot harder to do that. It's a lot harder to engage in yoga because of my experience and the voices in my head during certain sequences. It's a lot easier said than done. While I have thoughts of my story isn't extreme enough and it's not as extreme, it still deeply hurts to be manipulated in any capacity and to feel shame for putting yourself in a position to be manipulated. Unfortunately, wellness industries and organizations can be particularly susceptible to manipulation scenarios because people are typically looking to be open, to grow, to improve. They're looking for someone to tell them how to be better. So what happens when the leaders are corrupt? I still don't have my yoga teacher training certificate after 200 hours of training. I have all the papers I need to submit in order to get it, but I don't want to engage with these people again. And because I also feel distant from yoga, it feels safer not to collect my certification. And I feel shame about that, to be honest. I went through all of this for what? Because I don't want to take the steps to get my certification. It's something that I'm still wrestling with. India was extremely gracious to sit down with me and explore what corruption in the wellness industry can look like and what we can do to protect ourselves. I hope you get something from our chat. I don't want to spend all that much time like recapping your story because I know you go really in depth on the documentaries that you've been a part of. I know there's The Vow on HBO and then Seduced on Stars. So I would just encourage anyone who is interested in your experience in Nixium and with, with Keith to, to check those out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to connect with you on the unfortunate situation that is corruption in the wellness world mm-hmm. and self-help industries. I definitely don't think it's talked about enough. It's not. I'm so glad that you are interested in that because it's really, it, it, there's very little regulations around that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a topic that I've really had on my heart to bring on the podcast. And so to start, this is not something that I've shared with anyone other than really the people that have gone through it with me. Um, but I, I wanted to connect with you because I recently went through an experience at the beginning of 2020 where I went through a yoga teacher training program yoga was just like a safe space for me. Like I had been through like assault situations and I turned to yoga like to heal from that. And that really helped me. So that was like years ago, building my practice. And I like knew that I wanted to pursue yoga teacher training. Like I really felt drawn to that. I knew it was something that I was going to do, like saving my money up to do it. Cause you know, like anyone that's done it, it's expensive. <laughs> it's not cheap. No. Yeah. So I saved up and then I had just moved locations in um, where I'm living now in Denver. And so I just went to the studio looking for a teacher training and just had recommendations from friends, but I had never really gone there. So I didn't really know the studio very well. I just like signed up blind faith, taking that recommendation from my friends. Mm -hmm. And then it was, it was just a lot. So I started so like bright eyed and eager. I, this is something that I was like, yes, totally aligned. I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. And then looking back, I'm like, I was honestly just like the perfect prey for the situation because of how eager I was and like how willing I was to like be open to whatever it was that they were going to teach me and how they were going to do it. See, that's what you were looking for. Yeah. And a lot of people, that's what everyone is looking for. You know, if you are investing in that type of program, you're looking for growth for yourself. And I would hope that you would be open to it. And so the leader of this program and the owner of the studio definitely took pride in doing things different community was the main focus that's why people went there like yoga is meant or not meant but usually um quiet and internal and a peaceful space and and this was definitely like we were celebrating and woohooing during class and chatting small talk on our mats with other people like they really fostered connection with other people and they leveraged that so much do you feel comfortable naming the, the name of the company or the people involved, or do you want to keep that off? I'm not going to name it. I've thought, okay. I've thought about it. Because you're not the only one who I've spoken to who has had experiences. Like, I'm, I mean, I know a little bit about what, what you're going to share because we, we mm-hmm. spoke offline in email. But it is not um, 
it's sadly not unusual to see these types of abuses of power in health mm-hmm. and wellness because it does attract a certain type of person. Not to say that that makes them more susceptible, but it does make you more open and suggestible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I was for, you know, at least the beginning half of the training. And then we started realizing, like, and I also have experience with narcissists. So as soon as that came out, I was like, okay, no. <laughs> like, like, red flag. <laughs> because I had, like, I had processed that experience in my life. So I was in a good place with that where I was like absolutely no like I'm not falling into this because I've already done it once and I got got over this whole thing and but then I was just kind of stuck like I'm in this program I've paid thousands of dollars for I can quit and not get the certification and not get my money back or stick it out so it looked like and and we had like a studio manager that ran most of the courses and the day-long trainings but a few days we would have the owner there And that would look like swearing at us for not raising our hands to answer the question and then completely condemning us for trying to answer the question and getting it wrong. So not like, no, there's no right answer. There's no right answer. No, there's definitely a right answer. And it was always wrong, like whatever we said. (laughs) And yeah, like everything. And the the biggest one for me was like crazy how you can how clear it is, like in retrospect, what you can identify. And especially because you've had that experience with a narcissist, you're just like, wow, I'm not blind there anymore. But I'm kind of blind here until you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the narrative was scary to me that there were times if because yoga community, very big on hugs, very big on touch. And if someone didn't want to give him a hug, then they were withholding love, not setting a healthy boundary for themselves. So, That's so twisted. That's such like gaslighting 101. <laughs> yes. Like uh, hearing hearing that those words, like I don't understand how anyone could be like, yeah, that's a healthy thing to teach people. But that's what was happening. Understand that because I remember being indoctrinated into similar sorts of beliefs, which is vulnerable with someone like Keith Raniere. Then those are your issues and that you need to work on, which meant you need to force yourself to be in a situation that is really uncomfortable. But you're also supposed to disconnect from the feelings in your body, and like those were kind of secondary and use your, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, but your logic and your logic happens to be what they've brainwashed you with. So not really you making those types of decisions anymore and I can see like how this could be such a slippery slope Mm -hmm. I think like where things went wrong with them and I'm curious your thoughts on this for what what's kind of like the secret sauce to building such like a toxic cult environment because I I like say and have processed this with other people that have gone through it with me like this was kind of like a cult wannabe. Like they really, like they could have done that, but the payoff for the community wasn't there. Like the power trips and the control and manipulation was way too strong right off the bat that there was no point that people, people were not staying there long enough. Was the leader not charismatic enough? No, like that's what I think was missing. Like he had too many, too many issues. Like he was getting in his own way for like his own power trip because he would do stuff like that. Like, if you don't give me a hug, then you're whatever, withholding love to people that have known him for like two weeks. Right. Oh, so that's they're not interesting. like people, they're the investment like relationally was not there. And so it just didn't like people didn't stay. And there were a few people that did. So I would say the people that ended up working and managing the studio, helping with the programs and stuff, like loyal. Absolutely they were the persona that were like really, really under like his reign, but participants and people of the yoga studio, like, no, they, they didn't fall for it, but they also weren't Hmm. challenging it. They would just leave. And then with, um, like other teachers that had gone through the program, they would check in with us to say like, Hey, how's the program going? Or how's your experience been? And, but they wouldn't say anything. And they knew, like they knew how their training was and that it would come up for us. But they were waiting for us to figure it and out. They on knew our own. you would have certain reactions because they had had those reactions. So they were kind of like preempting things. That's the same as Nexium. Like they would do, they would 
Yeah. They knew exactly the things that were going to be like a natural rise and people are going to go like, oh, what? Like, no, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So they would already kind of prepare you for those reactions and let you know that those reactions were really positive because it meant that you're leaning into the fear, the very thing that you're paying for. Like, don't you yes. want to do that? And it's like, exactly. I mean, I changed my tone because <sighs> I, I can, it's so easy to be sort of taken in that direction, especially when you're in an environment where you're looking to these people as superiors, like you're paying for the course. You're going to, there's a certain Mm -hmm. level of trust that these people are going to take you in, in the right direction. I mean, isn't it's based. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. What you're saying is how they framed the whole program at the beginning, like at orientation or whatever, they would say, you know, if you don't want to storm out here at one point in the training, I would be surprised because they're expecting us to feel that like upset by what we're going through that we would want to do that. And that would happen when, so I was, I was so eager, right? So they would put me on the schedule to teach classes before I had graduated. So I'm teaching classes for free with no pay. That's free before. <laughs> hmm Or I would, uh, like practice my hands-on assists and yoga um, while he was teaching classes. And then after that, we would have like a review session and he would just like berate me, completely shut me down. I would be crying and then I would leave for an hour and then have to come back for another seven hours of training. Yeah. And it was like this this idea that like, oh, this tough love, like this is because we see something in you and like we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think that you like could come out on the other side, just like pushing, pushing, pushing. And really, like, they were doing it, to again, to the wrong person because I'm like... You knew what was up. Yeah. and But it, it's just scary because obviously if, if it was anyone else who... Or someone else who didn't have the experience that I had and processed what I already had, like, I might have been, like, worse off years ago if I hadn't, like, already gone through what I'd gone through. So... You have battle... That's what battle I think. scars that inform you about... Yeah. And they're like... And, and I think that that's something that's a, a difficult thing for people to understand. I mean, I know for myself that I'm a stubborn person <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so I actually really do need to learn through my own experiences. I, I, I don't always like to be told like that. Yeah. I'm like, how, how bad is yeah, it really though? Like, if, if you like engage with a narcissist. Why do I want to do this? But it's, it's just part of my nature is just like to be curious and to like, get into things and to to discover Mm -hmm. what I think it just happened to be that I got into something that was you know going in an entirely different direction that I could I I couldn't even have predicted um yeah do you think that that's like do you think it started intentionally like pure or I don't even know if you can use the word pure, but do you think that they always knew like that's what their intention was to build something like that? For a long time, that was a huge question for me, especially right after I left Nexium, because I wanted so badly to believe that like the intent was good and that it went awry because that was going to give me like a little bit more peace of mind rather than like, oh my God, I just went into hell (laughs) and I've been hanging out with a crazy person. Like, that's really scary to realize that you just put yourself in in danger for so many years. So I do not, now that I know a lot more about Keith's history and the history of the companies that he created and also his pedophile behavior that he has had since, you know, the 90s and maybe even prior Mm -hmm. to that, so decades, it's hard for me to believe that there wasn't something nefarious about the way mm-hmm. that he created his businesses because what he did exploited people, whether it was in Nexium, whether it was in CBI, whether it was him tutoring a, a young underage girl, everything was for his own gain at the expense of someone else. So I've had to really come to terms with the fact that no, it wasn't good. Maybe there were some good aspects, but that doesn't really take away the fact that it was designed and executed by a felon and there would have to be good aspects like there that's... has to be why would anyone say yeah. it's like the yoga, right with the yoga example that you just gave 
there was probably enough for people to continue, but not enough for them to be like diehard loyalists unless they were making money off of it. I, I, I struggle with that. Not struggle, but I just like wonder where it can come from in terms of the motive for a narcissist to build something. It's like, was he cognizant that this, that he was going to go in and manipulate people? Like, was that a cognizant thought that he had? Like, I don't know. But I think he that everything he did was meant to serve like his own ego. He specifically or the one that we're not going to name? Both, like in general. It's hard yeah. to tell because, I mean, I'm not a therapist, so I can't really pass any kind of like clinical judgments on people. Yeah. But I do see Keith as a really stereotypical sociopath and like not original in that way. They're kind of, they all operate yeah. in the same manner, which is mm-hmm. like without empathy and for power and control. Um, yeah. And so it's hard to say if that's, you know, this guy's. MO, it could, it, it, it can be that people that get themselves into positions of power like that, where they have people idolizing them, have narcissistic traits. They might not be like a, you know, a total narcissist without empathy. They could just really get off on being idolized and also having fans because some people are really into that. That's what it was. He had books. He had T-shirts. He had little series of videos that he would do. It was like attention on him all the time. But the fact that he was also abusive kind of like raises another red flag for me because you can be into, you know, being pampered and whatnot, but you also don't need to abuse people. So, I mean, that that was... Yeah, like that's probably the line of like (laughs) acceptable or not. Right. And and I understand that different... um, cultures have very different ways of delivering information, especially like yoga and, you know, other kind of Asian cultures where they might be really not westernized. And so Mm -hmm. that's another thing to take into consideration. Like, is this a cultural difference or is this, um, you know, a red flag that I should actually be investigating? Because it's easy to kind of, you know, blanket everything Mm -hmm. bad, but then you kind of lose the opportunity to really figure out what it is. Yeah, and we've heard that in stories like Bikram Yoga where something similar happened. Um, This is definitely westernized. They were all westernized, like, (laughs) completely. So I know that wasn't a layer in my situation, but it it was just – it was really eye-opening that that can happen in such a place that people go for for help and support and for community and – the people themselves have such good intentions when they show up. And so I wonder if that like also facilitates people to stick around more because that's what they were looking for. And they're, yeah, like they're really wanting to make it work. What do you think in terms of like the wellness space specifically and how dangerous that can be? Oh my gosh, it's such a good question because I mean, I'm still someone that gravitates towards that. I just, I, um, I just have to be really, careful about like what I what I get involved in and I'm not really into getting involved into any groups per se but you know organizations and charities and there's a lot of overlap there with wellness and um, women's health and sexual health and and healing in that way so I I come across it in different ways now it's like less looking at it for my own kind of personal growth and more just how does this relate to other healing modalities that I'm trying out myself And I think it's a really tricky space because if you don't have someone who is a qualified clinician and they're kind of like self self ordained, I guess that, that that to me is more dangerous because you're, you're, you're taking people through things that can be really fragile for them. You're taking them into deep explorations. You're taking them to places where they might feel vulnerable, where they could be manipulated. And if you're not, someone who is responsible in doing that, you can do a lot of damage to someone's psyche. And and so I really am more of a proponent of going for people who are qualified, who have you have multiple referrals, and who have a positive track record of, you know, giving people what they want. Um, so I think it's hard to find like good therapists, it's hard to find uh, good communities that don't have that kind of toxic influence. 
it's not easy. Especially in the wellness world, because even with like products are not regulated, but services are also not regulated Mm -hmm. in terms of like supplements. That's a big conversation that they're not regulated and not FDA approved. And you can kind of like get away with putting whatever you want in there. And you can kind of do the same with wellness services because I really like what you said about like looking for people that do have credentials or maybe like a, a, I don't know if like larger organization is not necessarily a better organization, but where they have more experience and credentials behind legitimacy it. Legitimacy helps, but also there's places that I've, that I've come across <laughs> recently that were, you know, legitimate organizations with really bad leadership and it kind of corrupts the whole thing. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it ruins the cause in a lot of ways. And so if you have really good marketing, you can hide behind bad behavior a lot easier. Yeah, that's another thing that I know they leveraged because they had a very niche marketing strategy, very niche branding. It was very different. It was like this badass yogi brand mm-hmm. instead of this like somber, peaceful yogi on a mountain. It was just like, no, rock star yogi, like rock and roll, totally different. And that's what people liked. So it really did draw people in. But I there's a few things that I think luckily led to their demise. The first one being that they, I just don't think, they were just not good at it. They were not, like they didn't offer that trade-off. Like I was like, what the, what the heck is the point of this for a piece of paper? It's not worth it to me. And it wasn't really worth it to anyone to stick around there after the certification. So teachers would go and then they would, say bye like obviously I'm not going to teach here but they really did try to like bring the right kind of person in and they talked about that a lot like this program is not for everyone so it's only for the right type of person you're speaking it's the same language Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting thought I mean just to see like what what's the type of common language that's used what are the marketing tools like even just that if you're not if you're not wanting to run out of here then you're doing something wrong yeah. like like how scary and then we're all sitting there like yeah okay mhm right, yeah not, okay not i'll look out for that while you're being led maybe in a direction that could be coercive like 100% was yeah I mean, was it also I'm, I'm so curious now like you had yeah. to continue did you have to pay more no but so here's the thing that i i i have not actually like gotten the certification because I completed the program, but then I had to like submit a bunch of other things like papers and like a service project and stuff. And I just haven't done it because I don't want to. Like I don't want to engage with them anymore. And it's really like just turned me off to the whole thing, which is unfortunate, but I, I'm like not ready for that. So that's frustrating because I'm like I went through all of this and then still for what? Because they're like withholding that for like line items that I need to check off when I when have already done everything. Right, when you did what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think that they're doing it that way? Because they know that people don't complete the program. It's just another power thing, like to get people to stay involved in the studio. That's the only thing I can think of because they would say that too. Like there's only going to be – like people will drop off – they won't complete the program. And even if you do complete the program, like there will be people that don't get their certification because of like the way that they had set it up. Wow. That's really yeah. tough. And that puts the blame on me, right? Yeah. Because I didn't do the things. I didn't I didn't submit my papers. So I don't get the certification. That's my fault. <laughs> that's sort of strange. Like you that's not a very good business model. But I I, 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 I keep going back to the thing as that you said earlier where it was sort of like they wanted to be a cult but they just didn't have yeah. all. <laughs> it was so weird to me that because it truly did feel like that it truly did because and that's what was so funny because there was like one breaking point that we had in a day-long session with him where it he it just flipped and we were like what the hell mm-hmm. And then after this like nine hour day of training, we like met in the parking lot, these women in this group. And we were like, are you guys okay? Like, was that normal? And everyone was like, no, like that is not okay. And there were, there were women who are like older in their forties. And then there was in their teens, like not graduated high school yet. And we were like being so protective of her, like 
please like quit if you can. But if you're not going to quit, like we have to we have to do this like every time and really like go through what we can take and what is not okay and just really like process out what was unacceptable. What was it that you guys identified? Because I think a lot a lot of the time when people are in a toxic environment like that, they're so conditioned to accept that type of abuse because they've spent a lot of time kind of grooming you in, in mm-hmm. order to accept it. But it sounds like they just went straight for it. And Yeah, maybe that's what they missed out on. <laughs> like, so, I'm making a joke out no, of it. I'm making a joke out of it too because it's so weird. But like that's not a successful way to to build a cult <laughs> yeah I mean but like... thank god because I'm glad he was unsuccessful and I'm glad that you were able to see some things that were un- just not kosher I mean it was truly his behavior when when we were trying to learn from him and like feeling like hit the way that he was going about his teaching was very misaligned with like the experience that we all wanted to have like people in the yoga industry typically are looking for support And the message of, like, do what feels good for you. And if it doesn't, then don't do that. Yeah, listen to yourself. Tune into yourself. And the message here was very much, do not listen to that. Listen to this. And that's where we were like, okay, you're going to yell at us for not, like, jumping in after you finished a sentence. And then we're also going to get reprimanded for answering it incorrectly or in a way that you didn't like. Right. What's the point of being there for hours on end? That was like the first the first little bit of it. And then it was just like someone had tried to email him before the next session to talk this out and to bring it up. Because after that day, he just left. Like there was no closure. We were all just left with these this weird feeling of like, I don't really understand what just happened. That didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it needed to be like that. He was definitely on a different level than everyone else in the room and seemed very unaware of that. Another thing that I was like, you need to read the room if you're going to control people. Like, you're not able to do that. Was he angry? Was he, like, enthusiastic? Was he aggressive? Like, what was it? Very masculine energy. Like, testosterone, like, authority. Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, angry, but just a very powerful presence that he could bring people in like when he was on a stage. But if we were in a small group or if you were talking to him one-on-one, you'd be like, what's going on? Right. It was just off. Mm-hmm. I think he was on drugs. I know that he was smoking a lot of weed. I don't know if he was like doing something else. I usually would do the opposite unless he's like all really like hopped up on some strong sativa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he was, but – I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised. I know that he'd had a past with that, of course, like rough around the edges, rough, rough past that. we Right. And a lot of time people go to yoga because of that. Yeah. So that's like nothing alarming. Like that makes sense. But yeah, it was just what he did with with his leadership. And like you said, like there's there was no grooming period. There was no time. I mean, maybe if you were a part of the studio ahead of time, like I wasn't. I wasn't attending classes before I signed up for the program. So I didn't entirely know what I was getting into. I had taken a few classes from other teachers, but not from him. And yeah, it was just this whole thing was just so wrong. And from every level, like talking to the studio manager, like, hey what's what's going on like this can't be the first time he's gotten this feedback why is it like this they have any explanation I mean just excuses like yeah he has gotten this feedback before and it's something that he is really working on and hurts him to hear this from people and doesn't want to hurt anyone but something that he's actively working on and we all have things that we're actively working on and need to improve upon Mm -hmm. and these are his things (laughs) right like I mean, it makes me laugh because I actually, I worked in a yoga studio at one point, um, actually during the pandemic. And I remember there were a couple teachers who were like really uh, arrogant mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like part of their style. But I also thought like, that's not an attractive quality. Like that, it wasn't nice to me as working in, at the front desk and it wasn't nice to the students, but he had full class, he had full mm-hmm. class. Every time he taught, people loved it. 
And I think it's a nat- like a kind of a natural thing for you to gravitate towards someone who is really charismatic, who is really like, you know, they know powerful. how to command the energy in the room. Right. And that's a huge tool. And if you're someone who is kind of more on like the narcissistic <laughs> tendencies, then you can you know that and you know how to use that for your own benefit. It just depends on if they're doing it for, you know, if they're doing it and they're also hurting people. Yeah. Because it's kind of hard not not to in that situation. And it's still fear. I mean, I'm still obviously fearful, and that's why I don't feel comfortable saying their name because I'm like, what if they try and sue me for blasphemy? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's what I'm afraid of. Like they they have power even though they – shouldn't or like doesn't seem like they have that much power because they are awful but they do what were the people like who were who had worked there for a long time so the the studio manager was like it made so much sense to me like once I got to know her more why she's in the position that she's in someone who really really struggled with Mm -hmm. body confidence was overweight lost a lot of weight under his program and going to the studio and yoga and so she had like rebuilt a lot of her this is my interpretation of course rebuilt a lot of her like self-worth in this environment and it was so clear that it was a puppet for him because she was the one answering all these questions about why he has a fake email address and we can't actually email him to talk about these things before we see him next and why this is feedback that he's been working on and she was the face of the studio really and it was like she, she was given more and more responsibility and given this career that she really valued and that was her reason for staying a sense of purpose, a a career, something that she could grow in. It really did like improve a lot of areas of her life. So that's where that the trade-off was there for her, where I think they didn't have the value for people like me who are coming for a certification or people who are coming to the studio just for classes once, twice a week. There's Mm -hmm. no reason. Like you can definitely go to another yoga studio. You don't need to go to something that's that intense. But um, yeah, and then other other studio teachers they stayed around for a while and you know we still we still are there for each other and like if I run into them or on Instagram like everyone's processing it in their own way because it is truly something that everyone felt Hmm. so weird do you think that there was like they had a romantic relationship I don't think so I don't think so at all do you think it was more like a guru type Okay, so she was looking at him in that kind of like idealized. Yeah, and that's kind of what most people did. And that's, that's, I guess, where the value was, because that's what we'd started doing. Like, it was clear that you would you would learn from him. He had a lot of like wisdom to share. Some of it was very skewed, but a lot of it was very valuable. So in these like day long trainings where it is literally him sitting above us, we don't have chairs, we don't have mats, we sit on the hardwood floor and he sits in a recliner like in front of us and teaches to us. Like how petty, but that's what it was. Also in my opinion, a power trip. Absolutely, like the pettiest of power trips though. We would get uh, reprimanded for laying down. So again, we're there for eight, nine hours a day. And if we were wanting to journal, like laying on our stomach or something, no, we had to be sitting up. Right. So it was very physically demanding, which also exhausts you. I mean, not unusual for teacher training. Anything can be really, really intense and aggressive. I guess it, I just always go back to look at the leadership. Like you were you were asking me about what it is that you can look for in this health and wellness space. It is the leadership because they will tell you a lot about themselves indirectly or directly if you know what to look for. And sometimes you can be pleasantly surprised and be like, wow, that was like genuinely really cool. And I appreciate this teaching and I'm going to now take this and integrate it into my life. And I don't need to become a devotee or a follower of this person because that might not be what you need for your own journey. Mm -hmm. But it's so easy to get wrapped up in that feeling of like, wow, this is the only place for me to grow. I'm going to put my everything into this. And then you can lose yourself in that. Yeah. Like, how do you not do that? Are there like (laughs) gut checks that 
I think it's a lot about the gut. Yeah. And and in my case, I that's something I've been working on a lot is just to reconnect to my own instincts about things and to just like check in with myself and not just check in with myself here in my head, but really like sit and be like, how do I feel about this? Like, and what's the first thing that comes up? And a lot of it is really simple and like really clear and doesn't require me to confuse myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's so easy to confuse yourself and, you know, gaslight yourself out of believing things that you have instincts about because you don't want it to be true. And Yeah, especially in that environment. And I would, I would argue like if there's, if there's any question of that, like, I don't know, maybe find a different place. <laughs> there's plenty of groups. There's plenty of – there's plenty of There's support not. systems out there and you shouldn't have to question all of it. No, and I, I was, my mom and I talk about this quite often because she's like, if it's not a strong yes, it's a no. <laughs> and that is really true for a lot of shit in your life. Like there's certain things that maybe you need a pros and cons list. Cool. Do that. Check in with yourself. Sit with yourself. Get into a neutral position. Try and down, you know, don't regulate your nervous system if you're really jazzed up because that can be really challenging to make a decision from that space. So like I often need to like get into more of like a meditative state where I'm like quiet and the music is nice or I'm in the bathtub because <laughs> I need a little help getting mm-hmm. there because sometimes I'm more amped up. And so if it's if there's a no in there, it's something that would be worth investigating. That's something that I'm retraining myself to do. And just, you know, with boundaries in general. Yeah. Do you think you felt that like when you were in the beginning stages of like your experience with Nixium? Did you feel that and did you ignore it or was it just quiet? Well, I think it was a little bit of both because at that time I was 19. I'm 30 now. Yeah. That's a big part of your life. Yeah. where, Where most people will be... In a, in a time of self-discovery where they're realizing what is them versus what is not them. And it's a time where you can say no and you can say yes and you can feel free to start to know who you are. And for me, a lot of that was taken from me in my 20s. And I was in a position where I couldn't object to things and, and, and even more so in DOS. So when I had those instincts, I oftentimes just suppressed them or, you know, used their rationale against myself to, you know, make sense of an uncomfortable feeling. Or I just was disconnected and dissociative. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was not present with myself. And so I think it was a multitude of things that I, was going on for me. And I was also young. So I didn't really know myself in the way that I feel like I'm getting to know myself now, where I'm, I'm even testing out boundaries now. It's like, do I want chocolate chip pancakes or do I not? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do I want? And and that's kind of a cool opportunity to have. But I think we always have that opportunity. We're just sometimes on robo mode and we forget that we're also a human being with desires. Yeah, yeah. I think that's another thing that they messed up on or like just didn't go well hand in hand with what they were, the program that they were putting out there because – They still had to tell people like, of course, if you're going to a yoga program, like you're expected to be in tune with yourself and talk about intuition and learn how to tap into that. So they were like actively telling us how to recognize what they were doing, but then still doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to work out. Yeah. Especially with intelligent people who are, you know, and I, I mean, like that makes me so proud that. People are now out there questioning these things even more. They're, you're, you know, relying more on, on intuition. It's less about um, giving away your power. And I, I think that's also like a cultural change too, especially for women as post Me Too, more, even more so, where you were given permission to just name it and name whatever it was that you thought was not right. And that was not the case for, you know, maybe our mothers or our mother's mothers. Yeah. Thank goodness that we've, you know, made progress in that area because, yeah, like if if I had different context in my world, it would be different, like no doubt. It's just such a bummer that this can exist, but I 
I, yeah, I, I echo the thought of, of tuning into like intuition and those gut checks and like, I mean, even just figuring out like, Hey, is that, is this a feeling of like, Oh, something is off. And in terms of healing, like, I know you mentioned meditation and, um, asking yourself like really what you want, like what's been something that's really been fun for you in terms of healing. And that's felt really good. Uh, okay. So there's, a, there's a lot of things. Cause I go through different cycles of stuff that works for me. And, and, um, honestly, exercise is huge for me. I've been weightlifting, which is so cool. And like, <laughs> makes me feel really confident and really strong and really empowered in a way that I haven't felt in my body. And it also has created a, like a safe feeling for me in my body where <laughs> you may make me cry, but, um, yeah. it just feels like for the first time I walk around and like my body is my partner rather than my enemy. And I don't feel as vulnerable to the world because I know that like I have a certain level of strength physically to be able to take care of myself that I didn't have before. So I really encourage like, you know, men, women, anyone to get in touch with their body and, and do something loving for yourself that makes you feel strong. And that can be yoga, that could be weightlifting. For me, it's been a lot of boxing. And I also rely on books, um, on podcasts. I'm currently reading two right now, um, Body Keeps the Score, which I've like, I read over and over yeah. again because I have I have to, it's so dense. And then the second one is the body is not an apology. And that is really about radical self-love. And I think it's awesome. And so I, I, I don't do as much talk therapy, although I've been looking for a new therapist to work with because you just have to have to find yeah. a good fit or else it's just not worth it in my opinion. Totally. And I think somatic therapy is really helpful. So if you have the opportunity to do things like massage therapy, cranial sacral, just even just baths, like things that help you feel in tune with yourself and with your body and that put you in a state of relaxation. I find that all incredibly healing for one's nervous system, especially if they've experienced trauma. And I think for, for the most part, people who gravitate towards health and wellness are looking for that healing. Mm -hmm looking for that way to feel whole again and to feel good inside and so I think it can feel so discouraging when you keep running up against you know bullshit like this group or like Nexium and or or just bad apples because they do exist and you know predators find their way into positions of power mm -hmm. so it really just means that we have to be more responsible for our own healing as well and and that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it does. It's a daunting thing to heal emotional wounds of any capacity. Because they're not basic and they're not linear at all. And you're, you're constantly feeling like you take two steps forward and then three steps back. And you're like, oh, my God, is this really worth it? I just need to go smoke a joint. Like, <laughs> yes. like, like you just throw in the towel. But really, like, the truth is, is that you are moving forward. It just doesn't look exactly like because it doesn't look the way that we thought it was going to look because no one fucking taught us mm -hmm. <laughs> so we really just have to do a lot of trial and error and if you're someone who is on that journey then I think that you're incredibly brave because it isn't easy to confront yourself and it's confusing we have numbers of voices in our heads on any given day but if you layer in trauma trying to like sift through what what do you want the chocolate chip pancakes? Or am I going to love myself? Am I going to feel sick? Am I, do I eat gluten today? Like yeah. all, you know, what I mean? like it's just chaos. And it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think for me, I've had to kind of like start to retrain myself that that chaotic confusion is a strategy that I'm just really familiar with. But that isn't how I want to live. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like a pattern. I have to break that pattern myself yeah and it's hard to do but they always say like awareness is the first step and I hate saying that but it is really true <laughs> because you don't know I'm like that's the most stupidest piece of information or like encouragement right they also say breathe and I find that really helpful too yeah you know so it's fair those are good pieces of advice still <laughs> totally 
Well, thank you so much for your wisdom. And honestly, like, I feel like you asked me more questions. So it's really affirming for me. I feel very selfish in this conversation, but it's just very affirming to hear like from someone who's been through it to say like, yes, that language is not okay. And that was wrong. And they were being manipulative and, and how we can look out for that because it's unfortunately it's out there in every industry. And I I think the wellness industry is particularly vulnerable to like falling in into these like power trips because of how they're built totally well it was my pleasure and and the feeling is mutual i always get so much out of these podcasts and just meeting you know survivors non-survivors all all sorts of people it just it's really opened my world so i appreciate it yeah of course i know that you have the a documentary that came out earlier but just want to give you the opportunity to let people know more about how to get involved with what you're up to anything like that yeah i have um I have Seduced on Stars, which you can also find on Amazon Prime. I have my book called Still Learning, which is exclusively with Audible. And I'm really proud of that. That was a lot of work. And um, I'm also working with Rain as a national ambassador. So I, I'm working on some projects that I'm really excited to put out there for the survivor community. That is it for this week's episode. If you found it impactful in any way, please share it with a friend. I feel some kind of divine purpose just processing and sharing with you, and it would mean so much if you would write a review on Apple Podcasts if you've ever got anything from an episode. Um, I'm always open to chatting in my DMs, so come find me at the Tea Please Podcast on Instagram, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Love you guys.